I want to I'm going to take my jacket off, okay? So everybody ooh and all. Blame this on my wife. She says, you're going to wear this. <laughs> Do I have to? Yes. You know, anyway. You know. Uh, there's just too many pastors that dress kind of nerdy. <laughs> Side joke, okay? <laughs> I love these guys. I mean, if you're a member of this church, Jim's a who. I, I think I've met my match. Comes to one-liners and you know our little kind of twisted, sick sense of humor in a good way. I think I've met my match. And um, I thought I was getting away with some of my statements, you know, that I would not otherwise say if my wife was seated there, but this was live streamed. So guess what? I got to go home. <laughs> and she will have a nice little talk with me. <laughs> Uh, she's dear. Thank you so much for your attentiveness and your hospitality. And I so appreciate this church and uh, your generosity. Thank you. I know that you have uh, a tremendous project before you. That's awesome. Right there in town. And um, that's my heart. I've actually, uh, this is like 30 years ago in a covert type of operations have gone in incognito to minister in nations that I can't even mention publicly where we helped some of these young ladies and young boys get set free and to get them out of those dangerous scenarios. And um, several of my friends, uh, or I should say a few, are um, ex-Special Forces individuals. How many know what I'm talking about? Delta, Green Beret, Navy SEALs. They have a sense of justice in them and righteousness that is unparalleled. And uh, they, uh, I, there's things I can't even share with you. Uh, God's merciful. Would you agree God's merciful? Yes. Navy SEALs are not. <laughs> I mean, at least to the sinning you know, people that have just ruined these people's lives. 
That's all I'm going to say. And they believe that's their ministry to clean house. Amen. And uh, get these young people free. And so uh, I have been involved in types of ministry you're not even aware of that I can't even share publicly or even put in books because it would mark me. And um, I would probably have the FBI and different ones um, <clears throat> come to the service and take me to a particular place to interrogate me. I've had that in many nations of interrogation. And uh, I was telling the pastor, <clears throat> weren't you afraid or, you know, I mean, didn't you think he was in danger? I was so naive. I had such a spirit of dumb on me. <laughs> I, <clears throat> it didn't even dawn on me until after the whole scenario. Well, thank God, Brother Mona, you're still alive. What are you talking about? What do you mean I'm still alive? What went on? You don't know? And then they would explain the whole thing to me. And uh, then, you know, where's the loo? You know. <laughs> How many do not know what a loo is? Uh, well, you do know what a loo is. So, you know, it's been interesting 46 years, okay? 47 years now. But, um, you know, uh, this is what it is, and this has been our life. And I appreciate people like the precious leadership of this church that you are engaging, you are um, persevering for the manifest presence of God. I had a pastor that uh, he actually died. And uh, he went to heaven, and he was obviously resurrected, or resuscitated, I should say. And uh, when he was up in heaven briefly, he noticed that uh, his heroes of the faith, he was a real theologian. This is in my professor days. And, you know, he had these different theologians that were his heroes. And he noticed, and this was just for the sake of God teaching him a particular lesson, okay? And all of his heroes, about 10 or 12 of them, and I will not mention their names, they were, you know, all together in this one area, and they could not cross this boundary. And again, it was just for the sake of teaching this man you know, uh, a particular lesson because I'm sure once his spirit went back into his body, of course they were able to cross over, you know, heavens, you know, very free and open for everyone. But um, for the sake of this man's lesson, they could not, we cannot cross over. And then all of a sudden he's thinking, and then he started asking them, why not? Why, you know, why, why can't you cross over? Well, you're great theologians. You've written entire commentaries.
things and this and that. I mean, you know, through the generations. And then they said this to them, him, well, watch. And so he looked past the boundary and it seemed like there wasn't anyone else. And here was this lady, of course, everyone is in their 30s or 30 years of age. And um, I mean, kids grow up very quickly, but that's where you stop at 30. Everybody say, yes. You get your hair back, yes. And uh, here was this bouncy lady and twirling and laughing. And she had all the freedom in the world to go anywhere and go to the throne room of God the Father. They're telling this man this, these great theologians. And it was Catherine Kuhlman. And they said to my pastor friend, she, when she lived on the earth, may not have had the mental knowledge, biblical knowledge that we had. We spent our entire lifetime developing our, you know, mental and intellectual abilities to understand doctrinal truths. What she had and what she honored was simply loving Jesus and his manifest presence on earth. She has greater freedom than all of us. And the pastor went back into his body. Now, we're not minimizing these great men of God. I've studied their materials. But I'm using this as an illustration just to open up briefly here because there seemingly is the attempt of the enemy to remove us from the simplicity the Bible talks about in Corinthians, the simplicity of Jesus Christ. And to just love. We've always quoted, the greatest expression of God's love is John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And of course, that was one of the most awesome expressions of God's love to a lost world. But there is, in my conviction, a deeper love. I mean, it's all the same, God is love, but a deeper expression of love. And it's found in John 14. And Jesus made it very clear. He said, if you will, he was, it was in the context, obey my commands, my word, and uh, you will love, you know, love me and surrender. That we, you put it in the plural, which means the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we will come and make our abode within you. Abode. We will come and join our hearts with you. This is what Sister Coleman understood. 1 Thessalonians 4, I believe verse 14, 11 through 14 says, He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. And that word joined is where we get the word adhesiveness. 
he or she that has glued their heart as one with God. It's like here you are and here's the Lord and you are just glued together and you can't separate one from the other because you're stuck, you're glued. And so when you move, he moves with you. When he moves, you move with him. And the key is to so die to self, ego, the flesh mind, the flesh body, the flesh emotions, that when he begins to move or wants to express an aspect of his very personage, how many know Jesus Christ was a man, but he was the God-man. He had his own unique characteristics. But they perfectly represented who God the Father was and is. And when he decides to want to express and move, you know, and express himself to mankind, if we're joined to him adhesively, he has to move. Through his people. Well, I know he can sovereignly move in different ways, but his greatest heart's desire is I want to move through my people. You are my voice. You're my hands. You're my feet. And so what happens is, is that if we're so surrendered and yielded, and that takes time and and you know, really honoring the Lord. That what happens when he wants to express an aspect of who he is, because we're so yielded, we're one in the spirit, that he will take an aspect of creativity and uniqueness that you were born with, and it will coincide with an aspect of his creativity and his uniqueness. And then what's so neat is he is ultra superior. Amen. He will supersede and he will overlap and he will come and through you outshine himself through you. And so they won't just be your hands because you're glued to him. You're one in the spirit with him. It's his hand. Did you get that? Now, if we can find a corporate body like this, that individually come together, but corporately we have all joined our spirit as one with him, you have revival. And revival is to be a way of life. Revival isn't supposed to be at a seasonal time, at an appointed time, a specific time. That's when God does something unusual. It is something that God wants us to encounter and experience every day. But you have to get or receive, and I have to in a greater degree, and don't think I have attained. I'm like Sister Coleman. Sister Coleman... After a six and a half hour miracle service. So don't complain about my services being long. 
she would go back exhausted. You have to understand that her 15 years of international ministry, she was sick every day of her life. Uh, speaking of Brother Hagen, and I appreciate you using him as an illustration, and uh, or Roberts, but in particular, Brother Hagen, Brother Hagen told us this, that he had to fight for his life every single night. That his heart condition wasn't necessarily healed. And there were the majority of the nights that he had to stay up all night standing and walking and confessing the word, praying in the spirit, standing on the promises and saying, I will not die. I will fulfill my years. And he did. See, because he appropriated the word, it became a medicine to his flesh. The Zoe life quickened him and kept him alive. See, we want things eradicated out of our life. I mean, you know what? We need to get to the point God... You know, if, it's like the gentleman back in the 1950s. He was about 10 or 12 years of age, and his eye was torn out of the eye socket. You may remember this person. And they put back then a prosthesis eye, which back in that era was glass, but he had a glass eye. And he was heartbroken, and his mom was heartbroken. Why did this happen? Where was the door open? Went through all the myriad of questions that we've all gone through. Why am I not completely healed? Why, why, why did my son lose his eye? Why didn't you recreate the eyeball when evangelist so-and-so laid his hands on him? On and on and on. So they went to another evangelistic service. He had a glass eye and it was a woman evangelist. And she's going down the line. What do you need? Uh, I need a new eye. God recreate his eye. And she just went on. Well, the thing was, she didn't know he had a glass eye. And all of a sudden, he started seeing perfectly out of that glass eye. And his ministry was, he would tape up his good eye and would pluck out. Everybody go, ooh. His prosthesis. It wasn't that the miracle was in the glass eye. It wasn't like he could pop it out and, <laughs> and put it behind him and, or in the bathroom and spy on his wife or something, you know. And, and, <laughs> I, I just thought about that. <laughs> One of those cartoons, what's that cartoon, you know, or, you know, pop the eye out, you know, Mr. Potato Head or whatever. Uh, it wasn't, the miracle wasn't in the glass eye, it was in the empty eye socket. See, a working some miracles would have created a brand new eyeball. I have seen that. But he lived a life of 
experiencing what I term a continual sustaining miracle through the gift of faith. Now, how would you like to have been this young man? All through his life, you talking about living close to Jesus because you're thinking, if I tick him off, I may wake up one morning and not see out of this eye. What a whammy. Now, that may not be a or should have been the attitude that he had because God is far more gracious and merciful and gifts and callings, you know, are not recalled. But the point is this, is that this man received incredible opposition. If it wasn't for, you know, God's grace, he, there was a time it got so bad, the opposition, that there was a time that he felt like God removed this. I don't want the burden. See, people want miracles, but they're like the nine lepers or the ten lepers that got healed. Only one came back and knelt down and worshipped Jesus. And Jesus, where's the other nine? See, the other nine were thrilled that they were healed of leprosy, but I don't want to take on the responsibility of having to become a spectacle and give glory and answer every critic that doesn't believe that God works miracles today and become a spectacle and have to have every unbelieving believer or disillusioned believer come and, you know, want to see me and see the miracle. And this was a constant harassment the majority of his life that he was on display constantly. And, the, and thank God for him. The majority of his life, it was very difficult. He got through that. But you see, you got to count the cost. You got to understand nowadays, see, 40, 50, 60 years ago, people actually believed in God. We don't have that now. They actually believed that God could heal. They may not believe it in the way we do, but yeah, God could heal. So it was a lot easier for people to receive miracles because. They had a generation of people in the 40s and 50s that had some, you know, element of moral aptitude and understanding that there's a God in heaven. Nowadays, it's a whole different philosophy of life. And you know what? If you receive an instantaneous miracle over a process of a week or two, your miracle and the healing is completed. You've got to be willing to bear the reproaches of Christ. That's the first thing God spoke to me. He said, you want to be a healing minister? You want me to use you in that magnitude? And he had conveyed that that was his will. I said, yes. You better count the cost before you go to war. If you're concerned about your reputation, it's going to be gloriously ruined. (laughs) 
because, you know, from day one, I was already marked as an extremist. I'm marked as an extremist in the charismatic body, <laughs> let alone the evangelicals or the classical Pentecostal people. I don't think I am an extremist. I just am a literalist when it comes to believing that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he wants to work through his people as we're joined in one spirit. And I've seen too much, I've heard too much, I've experienced too much. And, you know, there's tremendous responsibility since I've seen, heard, and experienced, I hate to phrase it this way, I can't get away with what the majority of believers can seemingly get away with. I'm not talking about sins. I'm talking about things in life that become weights, dead weight. Because I have to constantly prepare myself to minister to precious people like you. And I fall short. God knows I fall short. I'm like Sister Coleman after six and a half miracle service. Every night she'd go back to the hotel and stay up half the night crying, weeping. God, how come this person didn't get healed? How come that person didn't seemingly get their manifestation? What could I have said? What could I have done? How could I have better yielded to see a greater breakthrough for these precious people? It haunted her, if I could use that word, to her last dying breath. You see... Fellowships of this nature, you know, let me just phrase it this way. The Bible says in Proverbs, you honor the Father. How many know you honor the Lord? You'll receive honor from Him and you'll receive honor from mankind. You'll receive honor from humankind out there in the world. There will be elements of honor and respect. But brethren, there's also, you know, there can the critiquing, you know, the unbelieving believers, prove it to me. I see thousands of people healed. Where's the before and after x-rays? How many know Jesus didn't have MRIs? People just absolutely believed in the testimony of their friend that internally God healed. And so just virtually based upon their testimony, his fame spread everywhere. Testimony is not good enough nowadays. People want to sign. If God's real, I want to sign. Jesus said, when are you going to believe? It's an evil generation, Luke, it says... It's an evil generation that seeks after a sign and wonder. Bring a little boy to me and he was healed. I mean, 
You know, when the Son of Man, Luke 8, 18 says, comes back to earth, will he find anyone in faith? Now, I have purposed in my heart, number one, you know, I care what people think, but not really. I mean, I got marked at 17 as an extremist. Started in my hometown. I'll tell you, that's one scripture I can positively say I have fulfilled. A prophet has no honor in his hometown. That one has absolutely come to pass. So, uh, what has hurt me and my wife more than anything else is people that we thought were in covenant with us that wounded us the most. And it takes everything in me to let the guard down and once again become vulnerable. Because when you do that, you open yourself up. Jesus Christ was wounded in the house of his friends. That's why I appreciate Jim and Mary, because I, and this congress, I can just be myself. I've let, listen, I've, good or bad, I've let my guard down. <laughs> and I hope that I grow and deepen in my meshing and joining with the Lord. Are you willing to pay the price. Now let me rephrase it. Are you willing to be marked? Because one of the definition of miracles, and when you receive it, signs, semion, as the Greek word, miracles, deutimus. There's another word, kratos. There's other words that describe the eruptive power of God that manifests itself in your life, your body, whatever, whatever area. That when there's something that has happened in your life and people can see the radical change, if it's something outwardly, physically, or something in another area of your life, and they can just tell that, you know, you've received something do you understand what that does to people that aren't walking, number one, correctly with God? you talking about a spirit of conviction coming upon them. Because signs and wonders and miracles, it's like God will use it to woo, let me even use a stronger word, to provoke people. To be drawn near unto his heart so that they would be joined with him. People want to love Jesus and they want to go to heaven. And the vast majority of people, I'm, I'm just going to be an optimist, I believe they're very sincere. You know, a lot of them may be sincerely deceived, but they're sincere. Selah. I used to say that wrong for years. 
used to go all over the world. Say la, say la. So one time, church about 400, they went la. <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> you know, it means to ponder and think deeply on what it was just said, you know. Are you willing to pay the price? What about the peers around you? You receive a prophetic word. You get healed. You get delivered. What about those high school friends? What about your neighbors? I mean, you know, this is sad to have to say this. It's very sad that many in the neighborhood I live in, we don't let them know that we're charismatic ministers. It's sad. Now, the immediate neighborhood knows it. And they have nothing to do with my wife and I. And they're all Christians. So here we are in a neighborhood where we would just love to have the neighbors over to witness to them, but they don't want it. I'm already a Christian, number one, but number two, you're, you're one of those. You're one of those. Because they go on my website. Well, what, what do you mean you cast demons out of people? That gets them every time. <laughs> what, what do you mean? You know, you, you see these healings and miracles and, you know, metal dissolves and all that. You know, what, you know, what? It's like my dad said many years ago. He said, he said, Son, why can't you be a normal preacher? <laughs> I said, what do you mean, Dad? Why can't you be a normal preacher? I said, well, define for me abnormality. What's abnormal to you? Anyone through the list, you've heard it. Why do you have to believe in this healing? Miracles, blankety blank. These tongues that you speak, that gets them every time, doesn't it? It's those tongues. Went on and on. Why can't you be like preacher so-and-so down the road? I'm not going to judge preacher so-and-so, but let's just say that he had a wimp spirit. could have used a stronger word, but I will not. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be judgmental, but it's just the truth. So he sedated everybody and made, made them comfortable. That's the problem in the North American church, the European church, is that we have been sedated to accept a nominal expression of the present day ministry of Jesus Christ. And then we wonder why God doesn't entrust more miracles to a, the church in North America. Because you want to know why? The majority of us, of course, that's not you. Tell the person next to you, look at him, see, he's not talking about you. <laughs> Uh, 
listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish on a good note here. Look. I really am. There's a purpose in all of it. You know what? I need to come back someday. What was that? Like Caesar? Which one was it? Oh, up. Okay, thank you. I'm going to live. Uh, I want to do a healing conference. See, we always just assume that healing is about physical issues. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Preaching deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind. Listen, to set at liberty those that are bruised. Twice it mentions being brokenhearted and being bruised. It's what we call the bruises of Satan. I need to come and hold a conference just purely on wounding and the bruises that we have all incurred in our life. If you've walked with God for any longer than two weeks, you know what I'm talking about. And sometimes those bruises are the very thing when you get healed of the bruising, the wounding, your body responds. And there, there is a, a wonderful list of bruising, not just rejection, but grieving and other things. And then, then there's a whole conference on knowing the difference between acts of sin, right? And what motivates you to commit that act of sin? This is the problem in the church. The reason why we're not one spirit is we repent of our sin or act of sin in the name, let's use adultery. But we don't get uprooted and repent of what motivated us to commit that act of adultery. Lust. He was wounded for our bruised, there's that word again, for our two different things. Two different issues. So we have a bunch of people that are repenting constantly over and over and over acts of sin because we have not uprooted, helped them get uprooted the motivation, the iniquity. That's a bruising. That's another seminar. You're too slow, dude. Let me talk to the boss. Oh, we can't preach on that. That'll run people away. That'll that'll bring the offerings down. Bunch of hirelings. 
Ministers, I don't care if this is live stream. Many of them, you're a bunch of hireling. You call yourself apostles, you're lying. The Bible says in Revelation, those that call themselves apostles, and they aren't, I'm going to remove your candlestick. Your position of authority. Many of the pastors, or of course thousands of exceptions, have no business pastoring. You want to know why? It's because they don't want to work like the rest of us. They don't want to have to get up at 6 and come home at 6 in 70-hour day week. It's easier to pastor. A lot of them are just a bunch of lazy men and women that just want to golf twice a week. Go visit people's homes. And take an hour or two Saturday night and prepare some Marvy milk toast <laughs> sermon, canned sermon, and call it a week. How come I can say this? Oh, we should have taken their offering before I said this. <laughs> Oh, I missed it, didn't I? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There went a thousand dollars. Trust me, I'm not motivated minister because of money, because I've never seen it. <laughs> it's amazing to me, I pulled up my calendars. Now this is going to end positive. <laughs> and I marked everywhere that I knew, because I knew the treasury, or the treasurer of the church, different people, where the pastor stood up and said, every dime you give to Brother Maloney will go to him and his ministry. And I know as a fact that the pastor took 50%, all in the name of the expenses of the revival. And you know who suffered? My family. I spent 35 years of having to take four to five bank loans out a year just to keep traveling. Because of that kind of nonsense. Or I did all the ministry. Get a thousand dollar offering and the big name guy got a hundred thousand. Now, my rewards are in heaven. He's keeping the books. Say amen. amen. But that doesn't help my son or my daughter that I've got to put $6,000 worth of braces on my son's mouth. It's amazing. I prophesied over two men in Denver, told them, they were in bankruptcy. How would you like to receive a word like that? 
And God says, because you will do this and that, gave him strategy that in three years, all of it will be restored and you will be back in being a multimillionaire. Three years to the month, both of them emailed me and said the word came to pass and we're millionaires. And they all gave it to a particular minister, well-known minister, because if you give him $250,000, you get to sit next to him at his partner's banquet and eat next to him. And I'm thinking, did he give you the prophetic word? <laughs> and that 250000 now this has got nothing really to do with the minister, okay? But the point I'm trying to say is that $250,000 took care of one 30-minute program that you see him on a particular day. That $250,000 would have changed my life. It would have bought my Mercedes that I've always wanted. <laughs> it would help me move to Columbus. <laughs> What's this? Well, well, yeah, yeah. Trust me, I'm teasing. But... <laughs> I'm not being critical or judgmental. I'm just saying that there's something that's... Why is it that it's the same 12 to 15 ministers that have all the money that you see on TV? There's thousands of us traveling evangelists that barely make it by the month. See, you've got to understand, I spent 35 years that by the end of every month, I used every dime to pay bills. And I had to start all over again, believing God, not just for open doors, but sufficient offerings to pay the next month's bills. Now, God was very faithful and supernatural. And God used that dependence upon him on a monthly basis to develop a level of faith so that I could minister to people. But you know what? I got tired of it. I got worn out. 37 years of that. And I got angry. I got angry at the body of Christ for ripping me off. And look how I've suffered because of that anger. Because God expected more of me. He wouldn't allow me to get away with this. This was not God authoring it. It opened up the door to the enemy to come in to steal, kill, and destroy. But oh, have I learned. Now's a good time to take an offering. <laughs> Are you willing to be marked? Are you willing to pay the price? 
Are you willing to be scrutinized? Are you willing to be minimized, marginalized? I've had entire classical Pentecostal denominations tell me, we will make you the poster boy. We will put you in every district church and you will be the top evangelist. This was when I was in my 20s in the early 30s. But we ask two things of you. Do not personally prophesy over people and we don't believe Christians can have a demon so quit casting demons out of people. Well, you just cut both legs off. And I couldn't do it. I had to say no. So you know what that did? That relegated me back to 30 and 40 member churches. That it would take me $400 to get to a church and my offering would be $80. So you got to understand, 30, 40 years ago, they didn't pay like people pay now. Thankfully, we've been enlightened because of wonderful men like this brother and sister that have written tremendous material on the importance of giving. And you're very wonderfully, uh, you know, generous people. That's, that's not the point. The point of this is not finances. The point is, look, I got bruised. I got wounded. I got hurt. And I have to let it go. And it's not always easy to let it go, is it? It's not always easy. It's not easy. I spent 2016, for one year, I could not lift my head off of the pillow. My wife had to feed me and bathe me and everything else right there in that bed. Because the pain was so great. And I'm laying there, God, you're my healer. What, what's up? Have you ever been there? Where you don't get an answer? Are any of you human out there? Let me see your hands. Are you breathing? You've been there in one degree or another. But that does not, in the slightest, negate who he is and what he has stated and promised. It's just life's issues that for some things, you're not going to get the fullness of answer until you see him face to face. So just settle that. In the meantime, you know what's the greatest key? In life, smile. Even with all of your shortcomings and infirmities, and just enjoy life to the best of your ability and have fun and smile and enjoy your grandkids, your children, your little dogs that. You consider our dogs. No cats, though. No cats. 
into a pastor's home and sat down for a meal, my wife and I. Rufus, Rima, time to eat. I'm looking at the table, and there's this big bowl of dog food. Another big bowl of dog food, and Rufus and Rima, big old German shepherds, come trotting up, jumping up into their chair. It was, it was kind of dear. And put their paws on the table and put their head down. And then after a man, then they started scarfing it down. It went into my plate, my wife's plate, everything. All the whatever funky things they were eating. Some of you are just flat out weird. Okay? I love dogs, but come on now. Stayed in one person's home. He said, now look, we have this dog. I'm sorry. It's, he's got an issue. We've got to leave. Uh, you're you know, you're going to have to uh, diaper him. I said, excuse me? How do you diaper a dog? How do you, well, we cut a little hole so it goes through the tail. And the dog knows to lay flat on its back. And you, first you got to clean them up from the previous. And then diaper. You just, I'm sorry because we got to go to work, but you stay here and pray. Get the spirit. But about three times you're going to have to diaper, fight him. You gotta admit that's funny, all right? It's the absolute truth. I'm closing. I've already crossed the line. That means this I've stepped over, I've already gone past the place of no return. I'm not, I'm marked. I was marked at 17. If you are Member of this church, you've already been marked in Columbus. Okay, that's good, but also there's a price to pay. Because when God heals and works a miracle, the word brings out this thought. It, um, it uh, provokes people in a sense of... Uh, God demanded a response. It reveals where people's hearts are at. Jesus' ministry, you either loved him or you hated him. You never liked him. His ministry says, Luke 1, verse 49, his ministry was for the rise of many and the fall of many. To everyone, see, some of you are sitting there thinking, all we need to do is see miracles and my family will come to the Lord. Not necessarily. At least not nowadays. Now maybe you properly sown enough seed in their lives that they would. But the vast, I'm speaking, the world at large, 
It's completely antichrist. And these people that say, we're under the greatest revival in America that the world has ever seen, America has ever seen. I don't know what America, what alternate universe they're living in. It's called America. Yes, God is moving. Yes, he's touching people's lives. And there is going to be a greater enrichment and a greater move of the spirit. But with it, you're going to have mixed reactions and responses. I've actually had people that got, listen, I'll take one last illustration. And this was in a particular state in America not too long ago where the young lady had no legs. God recreated them. Thousand people were there. The parent ran, picked her up, ran out the back door, jumped in the car and took off. We can't even find out where they live because he immediately put his home on the market, sold it and left to move to another community because his daughter was beginning to enter into high school and he wanted her to go to a high school where no one ever even knew that she never had legs. Now I can understand the, you know, the thought of the father and the mother, but how sad, how the body of Christ lost such a testimony. Same thing happened in Michigan where a girl and, and she's very precious. No ear at all. None. No eardrum. Right? God just created her ear. Now she was open to share it. But you know what? She received an average of a thousand, her parents, emails a week. Christians demanding. Charismatic Christians. I want to see your miracle evangelicals demanding I want to see this miracle atheists demanding I want to see this miracle unbelieving believers demanding I want to see this miracle supposed miracle it got so bad first thing she did was her hair was down in her face because she was so embarrassed not having an ear, being taunted and ridiculed. That when she got a brand new ear, the first thing she did was, she always wanted to wear earrings. Isn't that precious? She went to the beauty salon and got her hair cut, short in a nice, fashionable cut. Her mom bought her earrings, studs, beautiful earring studs. She actually wore makeup for the first time at 15. Went to the high school, a freshman. Walked into the high school and hundreds of the kids, plus the teachers, screeched and screamed. When she walked into her first class, half the class exited out the door freaked out that she had an ear. It was, it created so much turmoil 
that the administrative staff called in the parents and said, you're going to have to do something about your daughter. Like cover it up or something. Because it's creating turmoil. It's not like they wanted to face. See, people don't want to face the reality of who Jesus is. What he can do. So you know what they had to do? Put their home on the market. Shut down their website. Their Facebook account. Move to another community. So she wouldn't have all that harassment. I'm thinking, oh, what the body of Christ lost. Wouldn't you have loved to see the lady, young girl that had no legs, visit us last night and come and parade and show you her brand new legs? Would that have encouraged your faith? See, you're sitting there, you're saying, oh, I would never react that way or respond. Really? I'm sure the majority of you bring it on. I just want the miracle. But you see, to everyone that will respond, see, you don't have this issue in developing nations, generally. You don't have this issue in developing nations. They either get healed or they die. Only in the Western churches do we have this issue European whatever because you know they don't want to believe you got to understand look at me people don't want to believe that the Bible we have Bible colleges right now that teach the Bible is inspirational there's integrity in it but it's not infallible you can't believe everything that the Bible teaches. These are charismatics that are being taught this in charismatic Bible colleges. I'm thinking people. See, ever listen to me. When you make the stand, there's only one way to God the Father, and that's through Jesus. How many of you believe that? You just marked yourself. Because universalism has crept into our circles. How many of you believe a man should marry a woman? You just marked yourself. We got it all goofed up. I don't know if I'm a man or a woman. I had a group of them in my meetings. I said, just look south. <laughs> Look down. How hard is it? Oh, you're too narrow-minded. You've got to understand some of the greatest miracles you have ever heard are going to take place in your lifetime. But to everyone that will respond and give their lives to Jesus, possibly there could be 10 that will reject it, even though a miracle is right in front of them. Why didn't those other 
nine lepers come back and fall at Jesus' feet and worship him. Because they didn't want to pay the price of having to be a living testimony like that man. That man could care less what people think. I was a leper, now I'm healed. You know what was so neat about that guy? He not only got healed leprosy, God restored every body part that was eaten away. The others were healed leprosy, but they still had missing body parts. His miracles completed. Think about that. Think about the responsibility that man had. Think about that. Going back to his community. Oh, it's this Jesus that did it. Nowadays, we got charismatic Christians that are visiting aliens on a particular planet. Called da, 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 da. <laughs> you think I'm embellishing? No. You've got to understand the days we're in. I want all of you healed. This pastor wants all of you healed. God wants you healed. But you know what? Don't allow a bruising to be incurred or to come upon your life. If you're criticized, ridiculed, found to be, you know, weird, you're on the edge, you're stretching the envelope, I've heard it all. Okay? Just Give God glory. And don't worry about your rep or the peer pressure around you. You will possibly lose friends. But here's one last illustration where we'll pray. You know, in uh, Wales, you know where Wales is? <laughs> Being facetious. You know, what we have here in America in the name of revival, it started in Wales, basically. <coughs> Did you know that? started in Wales. And you know who the most popular people are in the high schools in the entire nation in Wales among the Welsh people? Are the born-again spirit-filled, tongue-talking youth that come to the high school with big black Bibles witnessing to everyone. They are the most popular kids in the entire school system. Wouldn't you love to see that in Columbus? Would you love to see that in America? It can happen in Wales. It can happen here. Think about that. They're the, they're the end people. Are the Jesus freaks. That's amazing. I want that for your children. 
parents. I want that for your grandchildren. I'm, I've crossed that line. I've gone past the place of no return. I don't care what anybody thinks. My reputation is already gloriously ruined. A long time ago. But you know what? I see a young lady's legs appear. Had a man in Portland, Oregon. 2,000 people comes up to me. What do you need of? I say, excuse me. Couldn't understand him. His wife was, number one, it was an amazement to me. He had a wife of this nature. She was gorgeous. I'm thinking. It's like when I see Jim. Jim. I, he knows I'm, you know, ragging You know, he's my buddy. And, and but it's true. But anyway, you know, just, and, but I'm not, you know, the first sign in wonder was, you got her? And she said, well, he has no tongue. I go, excuse me? Well, he was never born with a tongue. And not only that, because he never was born with a tongue, all of his teeth were flat, inward, flat. And the first thing that comes to me is that she's telling me, you got to kiss that? Anyway, but anyway, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was just a fleeting thing. And I brought every thought into captivity. And it be I don't, I don't. I don't. And um, I'm standing there and I go, stick your finger in your mouth. I said, I was being led of the spirit because I was having a visionary thing. I said, stick your finger in your mouth. Oh. Well, he sticks his finger in his mouth. I said, you feel an edge there? In the back of your throat? Uh. I said, feel it again. Uh. I said, keep doing it. Do you feel an edge? Uh. But the fourth time I said, feel the edge. Do you feel it now? Yeah. And he took his finger out and his tongue shot out in front of 2,000 people. So he goes around. Everybody wants to see this miracle. He went around for 30 minutes with his tongue stuck out at everyone. Overnight, God straightened his teeth. 
they get out of their apartment lease and flee the whole region so that they don't have to stand up and give testimony of what God did. I already showed everybody. Wouldn't you have loved for that man to come here last night, stick his tongue out at you? But you see, here's the last thing. Here it is. Some people, this is not you. Some people in a meeting like this would say, I don't believe it. I don't know that he didn't have a tongue. I wasn't there. Show me before and after proof. I'm sick of it. This is the world we live in. Many of you were prayed for. Many of you are in the process of getting your miracle. It will be completed. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you willing to be marked? Are you willing to cross that line of no return and say, you know what? I'm willing to step over, bring it on. I'll shout it on the housetop, no matter what kind of reaction or response or lack thereof because Jesus manifested himself to me have you made that decision no 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 just think about it have you actually made that decision have you actually thought about because people's lack of response and reverence to Hearing someone's testimony where that person received a healing, a miracle, it will either soften their heart or harden it. It's a signpost. It's what we call a signpost. It means the finger of God put on you. So that you receive this healing, a miracle, boom, you're going to be marked. Have you crossed that line? Some of you are thinking about it. You didn't, you didn't think about this, did you? That you could go back home and your parents like mine and my entire community of 2,500 had nothing to do with it. The churches would have nothing to do with me. What about you? I'm willing for God to stamp and put his mark upon my spiritual forehead and pay the price of bearing the reproaches of Jesus with a healing and a miracle that God gives me, if it does come. Now, I don't want to just impress the negative and not bring out the positive, that there's going to be an incredible amount of people that God, the Holy Spirit's already been preparing their hearts, and they're already and primed to really hear a testimony of 
God's greatness in your life and other people's lives, and they will correctly respond. And that's what keeps us going. What keeps me going is, yeah, I'm like Captain Coleman. I spent half the night last night not able to sleep. What more could I have done, God? What more could I have done? What more could I have done to see more? But yet, to possibly anyone or everyone that or whomever got touched to whatever degree or level, I can't make that decision for you to cross that line and just say, I don't care. For many of you, your miracle and healing will be completed when you die to your own image which is nothing more than ego and what other people you're concerned about what may think about you that's got to die that's why we need another conference on bruisings okay I'm going to ask a question I'm going to throw it out at you here's your altar call no don't come up here be mass hysteria and mass. <laughs> Have I found the people? Look. See this big size 14 foot? I'm drawing a line. Right here. An imaginary line. Now, you don't have to come up here and cross over this, but the point I'm trying to say is are you going to be that leper that will come back in the face of great peer pressure, criticism, ridicule, and fall at the feet of Jesus in an adoration, appreciation for the healing and the miracle? and get fully restored, no matter what, his friends, his community, no matter what anyone th thinks about it, I'm healed, and I'm gonna honor my master. I'm gonna die to what this world thinks, what the religious world thinks, what the atheists do not think, you didn't get that. No, I'm moving on. <laughs> Have you made that decision? Or are, are you still battling with, you don't understand. If I show my charismatic and charismatic edge, I could lose clients. Absolutely. Well, how do you know? You might gain. 10 more, 15 more. If you are one of those that's willing, you may have already done it. It's a reaffirmant. To cross that line, you don't care. Now listen, if you don't stand up, we will not judge you. Because you need to think about it. 
Don't you stand up just for the sake of standing up to impress people. Because God's going to take you seriously. You stand up and say, I'm going past the place no return. I don't have any reputation to create or maintain. I'm just going to honor the Lord with whatever healing miracle breakthrough God's bringing in my life and I'm willing to be marked upon my spiritual forehead and no matter what kind of reaction or response or lack of reaction or response some of you precious spouses you may lose your spouse your kids may not talk with you anymore have anything to do with you Mine don't on one side of my family. I can't even fellowship with my grandsons because dad's too extreme. And the father said, I don't want any of my kids to have that kind of belief in Jesus, though he loves the Lord. My heart breaks every time I go back home and I can't see my grandsons. I'm still paying a price to the dearest people to me. But I'm not backing up. I've already crossed over. How many is ready to join me? And thousands of others. It's time to stand and be marked if that's you. Now, if you don't stand, we're not judging you. Don't stand just to be standing. Understand, when you stand before a holy God right now, God is marking you. You've got greater responsibility that's come on you right now. Now, for many of you, Right now, all of your bruising, much of your bruising and wounding because of the stance you've already made in your walk with the Lord, you're going to be healed. For many of you right now, this is going to complete your miracle. This is going to, there's no works trip here. It's free. Healing's free. But yeah, it's costly. It's not cheap. Right now, you're standing and saying this. There's only one way to the true God. And trust me, Allah and Yahweh are not the same God. You're saying the only way to eternal life is through Jesus You're saying that the healing and miracle only happens in the name of Jesus. You're saying, God, you complete my healing and miracle, I'll shout it on the housetops. I'll give you all the glory and honor, and I won't run and flee and hide. 
sell my house and go to another town so no one knows. We can love Jesus quietly, knowing, yeah, we're thanking God for the miracle. Our immediate family's thanking God for the miracle, but the entire body of Christ is starving in America to see a young lady's legs appear in America. I'm not talking about India. I'm talking about in America. And you know what? Right now, you've just crossed that line. So now God is saying, I'm going to trust to you and to this congregation those kinds of miracles that are more external and noticeable and outward. Because you will shout it on the housetop. Is that correct? Yeah. I want you to give the Lord the biggest praise offering. Yeah.